What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Industry Talk Podcast. Now, as you know, this is new season, and I want to expand on the industry. And what I realized last time around is I didn't have enough females on the show. I don't know how I did that or how it's possible, but it also shows that there's not a lot of females in these industries, firearm industry or security. So my guest today, Miss Sharnetta, also known as Gut Punch Barbie on Instagram. We're going to get into that. Uh, What's going on today? How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for coming. Absolutely. Pleasure to be here. So let's start off with the gut punch. Are you out here punching people in the gut while you're training? It's a pretty funny story, I guess. So um, I have a coworker and a, a good friend who um, always says, like, I'm, I, 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 straight, I shoot straight for the hip. I'm very truthful, and I, I give it to people raw. And uh, I also like to wear high heels and stuff. So she's just, mm-hmm. oh, my God, you're like Gut Punch Barbie. And so when it was time exactly. to really clever name though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so uh, when it was time to do my Instagram handle, I, it used to just be Charnetta. And I was like, all right, well, let me use, do something different. So I was like, all right, that's right. Like Barbie. And it kind of stuck. I like that. I like, do you, okay. So wait, cause I like to jump in and keep asking questions and going, well, let's tell the folks who you are and what you do. Um, so in this conversation, um, Charnetta, <laughs> <laughs> I do have a full-time job working for um, a research laboratory, but my claim to fame in this regard is I'm a certified firearms trainer and part owner of Honey Bear Tactical. So we do ah. firearms training and concierge services for all those that are interested in guns. Okay. All right. So you're NRA certified or you're USCCA certified? NRA certified. What made you guys go with NRA instead of USCCA? Uh, I think when we did it, NRA was kind of the more popular thing. USCCA was just kind of starting up, so we didn't really see a whole lot of information about it out there. So we right. thought NRA was like the more popular certification and um, also a little cheaper, <laughs> to be quite right. honest. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what? I just found that out that they were like, I don't know, is it like six to $800 or something? Yeah, like it's, it's like that. But I mean, but we also thought about maybe doing both just to have different perspectives and different kinds of ways of training because, you know, different people learn different ways. So it's always nice to have right. different techniques and tools in your, in your kit. Yeah, because I, I was just about to say, like, is their curriculum, um, not that you took it already, but I was wondering if their curriculum was the same as NRA, even though NRA has been around since forever. So I, I like them because of how, you know, their curriculum is, how it's just structured, easy to learn, easy to teach kind of thing. And, you know, they give materials. And I didn't really know of USCCA when I was choosing because I started way after you guys. Hmm. And I was like, mm, US, sometimes I like to let, like, even phones, right? I like to let stuff come out, get tested, see how things work if it's gonna blow up or not <laughs> not right. saying that that will blow but you know what I mean you're not an early adopter I got it um right not- yeah I do think their curriculum is a little different I mean NRA is pretty tried and true so that's why yeah. kind of what we went with them and uh, USCCA seems to be kind of more of a new kid on the block but gaining popularity every day Definitely. and I do think they Definitely. have a wider variety like they may span more into things about like protection and security and and how mm-hmm. do you keep yourself safe outside of the guise of firearms and things like that. So I think they do offer their trainers 
a wider breadth of coursework that they can teach, whereas NRA is very traditional with the pistol, rifle, handgun, shotgun, you know, kind of situation. Right. <laughs> See how you change your voice? Pistol, rifle, handgun, shotgun. <laughs> That's how it makes you feel. It's just like that old raving around the flag kind of training. Yeah, it is right. definitely. Right. Are you like, are you a member? Because I know that you don't have to be a member of the NRA to train NRA, right? Yes, I am a member of the NRA. I think it's important to advocate for our Second Amendment rights, and they have probably the po- biggest political group that's out there lobbying to make sure we our Second Amendment rights are protected, so it's important to support. Yeah. I mean, I know they have their issues, but uh, I think it's it's important to support if you, if you truly believe in, in 2A. Yeah, I just got a tweet, like a Twitter alert earlier today about something that was passed, but I, I didn't even see exactly what was passed. Um, so we'll sh- we should be seeing a little bit more about that, something about some um, gun policies that have been passed or um, is now on their way to the Senate or something. I'm not really oh, a political Oh, I hope it's not that ugly new one that they were considering this week. They're, they're actually what were they considering? Oh, uh, they're basically talking about um, there would be this gun registry that would be available to anybody. And you have to basically register all your guns and say where you store them, what kind of gun it is, and all the details. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. <clears throat> is it going to be public? Yeah. And they want it to be public. The last I read about it. Yeah. It was crazy. They were talking about background checks. And I think the background check was like they would even go and interview your ex. And I'm like, what? Like, whose ex is going to be like, yeah, let him have a gun. <laughs> so they were going to go interview your ex. Yeah, that would be part of like kind of this psychological background kind of situation. Mm, so I, okay, I, I, I haven't been keeping up with it uh, as much as I should. Yeah. But that was the that was the last kind of the big contra- some of the big controversial points. I think they were even talking about limiting the amount of ammo you could buy in a month. You'd have to you'd also have to like show your license and be registered to buy ammo. I mean, it was pretty Oof. pretty ugly. So yeah, I'm gonna have to read up on that tonight. Me too, what, because what I, I got passed. the Twitter. I got yeah, exactly. Because even with the the tweet, it didn't really go into detail. There wasn't a link. It was just like, hey. And I'm pretty sure they'll be sending out letters on stuff to sign because that's what I get. I love getting the magazines and stuff, but then you also get that stuff. They want you to like sign the petition or do this and that and third. So I definitely have to hold myself accountable or doing better on paying attention to that stuff because before I was really into this side of the of, of the world, I really didn't pay attention to politics like I have been in the last year or two. Um, but, you know. I used to be one of those people that's like, eh, it doesn't really affect me or it's going to affect me regardless. So I'm still going to live my life. Um, so hopefully, I, I don't know about my exes getting calls about me doing what I'm doing. I mean, they're exes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right? It's HR 127. So yeah, it's definitely, it's a doozy. And people did that's not it. think it was going to pass. So it's interesting that they I mean, how do they even think they can, how, like, okay, if you ask me my ex name and I just, don't give you an ex name like I don't give like how do they even think they can keep track of that if you're not ma- if you weren't married to this person how the heck can you keep track of whose ex is who's exactly ex? I mean, there's a level of fidelity they're just not going to be able to achieve you know but it's like, at, not at all I think their actually. point was like some kind of psych evaluation and make sure people aren't crazy having access to guns but I think the way they're right. going about it is just way too prescriptive and also detrimental yeah. to those because like who in the world wants everybody in the and their brother to know exactly what firearms they have? They're because right, of shopping list for criminals. 
very, very dangerous. Very, because not because what they I really I really have realized in in looking into this stuff that they act like they don't understand criminals, right? They right. first they act like they follow the law. That's one. That's just right. one that, that obviously they think. I don't know why they think that. And then two, I think they underestimate certain types of criminals. They think everybody is this gang banging on the streets kind of criminal and that is absolutely not true there's some really sophisticated criminals out here so if you're putting my business where i keep my firearm i mean is my address on this thing too jesus yes yeah mm. yep. that's you said yes? yes oh my god okay that's exactly the that's exactly the goal they want people to be able to see where the firearms like like sex offenders they want, they want people to know where the sex offenders are they want people to know where the firearm owners are Wow. Yeah, no. They'll be getting a P.O. box from me. Um, so, okay, let me not go too deep into that. Okay, we'll be here for two, three hours. <laughs> right. um, so, <laughs> so, being a woman in the industry, um, what are a few things that you have experienced in your time in the industry that you know for sure it's a female-only experience? Oh, wow. Good or bad? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's just kind of a the underestimation of your skills and your knowledge. I mean, you mm. just walk into a, a gun range as a woman alone and, you know, men automatically assume you need assistance. Like, oh, can I show you how to shoot? Right. And it's like, right. no, how about I show you a few things? Um, right. But it's now, see, I, I told you we were going to go into your skill level. So you, <laughs> you rolled them right into that, but keep going. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. So it's just that, I mean, just people just automatically assuming you don't know what you're talking about because you're a woman. And um, right. I mean, I'm not going to attest that my gun knowledge is anywhere near that of my, you know, my partner. Um, but I do know a few things. Like I've had conversations with some men and I'm like, oh, yeah, what do you shoot? And they're like, yeah, what do you own? Uh, nine millimeter. OK, what kind of nine millimeter? It's a nine millimeter. Like, OK, what brand? What model? Like, <laughs> can I get a few more details? So they don't um, have. No, they just know nine millimeter. It's a gun. Right, right. <laughs> it's a gun. I shoot it. Exactly. Yeah, wow. it takes bullets. <laughs> so I think that's probably Look, the biggest one for me is being underestimated. Um, and then just mm -hmm. kind of being alone. Like, it's pretty lonely out there. There's not a lot of women. And it, I mean, sometimes it's, it's not for me. I don't have to have a whole bunch of women shooting with me. But sometimes it's right. nice to have that camaraderie because the guys are doing the guy thing. And they don't really want to let you in, especially when you start out shooting them. Like... <laughs> right, right, right. It's like, oh my God, they she can shoot. She knows more than me. I don't want to talk to her. Uh huh. That's just like inviting you to the poker game. You're not getting invited back if you take everybody's money. Uh, You're a woman. Yeah, That's not happening. Exactly. That's not exactly. Happening. The male ego is so fragile uh -huh. that there's that's a whole thing. Right. A whole other episode. Yeah, they're, just, they're <laughs> uncomfortable when doing anything other than cooking and cleaning and taking care of the babies. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, Unless I mean, you start cleaning the gun. Yeah, and I face that in my day job too because I'm an engineer. So I'm also working in a male-dominated oh. organization. Um, right. So it's like it's nothing new, but it's just it's irritating because it's like, come on, like can't we just have fun? Like I, I'm I'm two A, you're right. two A, both like guns. Shooters. Right. Let's just go right. shoot. Exactly. <laughs> you mentioned that you were an engineer. What school did you go to for for that? I went to Morgan State University for my undergrad and Virginia Tech for my master's. Being a engineer, does that play in how good you are as a shooter or as a trainer? Uh, I does think, anything, you know, collide? Yeah, I think it helps me from the perspective of understanding the mechanics of guns. And I'm actually a human factors industrial engineer. 
So even more specialties and understanding biomechanics and things like that. So it does mm. come into play in helping okay. me a little bit and being able to explain things and break things down. And my analytical mind, it definitely helps me in the business side of, of what we do, making sure that we actually make enough money to buy new guns and ammo, because that's really what we're in it for. Right. <laughs> so are you the buyer? Are you the gun buyer and ammo buyer? Like, are you the one to see a new gun and wants to go out and get it? Or is your partner the one that always wants to buy it? I kind of know the answer already. Yeah, but. you definitely know the answer. My partner is the one that's mostly out there buying. All, he's the one that gets up at 4 a.m. and finds all the good ammo deals and stuff like that. So I leave mm. all that to him. And, um, I, you know, I see a new gun every now and then, but he's definitely the one that stays up on all of that stuff. Okay. And making sure that we, so, we have the latest and greatest and all the cool toys. Is there something that puts you guys apart? You know, and, and, and let me just put a disclaimer out for anybody that's listening. When she answers this question, right, I'm not trying to say you guys suck, but... I've seen my fair share of my own, the way I, I do my own business. And then I've seen my mentor or other people that I've watched and I've watched you guys and I kind of have an answer in my head, but what do you think sets you guys apart either in your training, what you offer or whatever from other people who offer the same things in your area or period that you've seen on social media, et cetera? I think one thing that sets us apart is our true passion for firearms. And like my partner's okay. knowledge of gu guns is just unrivaled. He just knows so much about guns and it, he brings that to the table. And then my passion to making sure people understand and use guns safely. Um, it's just, it, it's exciting to us. We enjoy teaching right. people and it's not about, I mean, we have the luxury of having really good day jobs. So it's not about money for us. It's really about right. being a part of this community and providing people experiences. Like we want people to enjoy shooting firearms and come join us. Like, you know, you buy the next cool yeah. thing and, and we, you know, we'll go out and shoot together. And, and so it's really about building the community, less about making money for us. So I think that kind of helps set us apart because we're not out there having to, you know, focus on, on churning and, 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 and offering a whole bunch of classes so we can, you know, get enough revenue to, to pay our bills, yeah. but can really focus on just, giving people really good experiences. And um, I appreciate everybody that's out there is training people safely and um, giving them the tools that they need to be responsible gun owners. Uh, I have problems with people mm -hmm. that aren't doing that. Um, but I think right, that's where we go right there. Yeah. What have you is unsafe. Give us some examples that you've seen that, that if people are betting who they're going to go get instruction from, what should they watch out for? What, what, is, what have you seen that... Um, was unsafe. Yeah, I think anybody who is new to firearms should definitely vet their trainers. Like, you should understand their background. And I think it's important that mm -hmm. they care about and enjoy shooting. Like, to me, I don't want to learn okay. from somebody who doesn't enjoy what they're teaching me. So, um, you know, and, and I think it's all about hands-on, too. It's like, do you want to go to the person that's just going to run you through the course and, and check the boxes? Or do you want to go to somebody that's going to invest right. In making sure you understand what you learn and that you're comfortable and take that time and then also follow up with you and say, hey, how's that HQL application going? Do you need any help getting that? Did you get yeah. your fingerprints? You know, here's the next step. Here's the kind of things you do. You need help buying that gun. So we're trying to mm -hmm. not just have this one off relationship, but really build a community and a relationship where we keep these people in our circle and they, they become part of the Honey Bear Tactical family. 
and um, yeah. you know we, we go shoot together. So it's really been a great model for us in the sense of lots of repeat customers that come in and you know, hey, you know, I took HQL from you. I really want to do some shooting experiences. I'm ready to buy my first gun. Right. Can you help me with that? Um, I'm ready to talk rifles now. You know, can you help me with that? So that's really right. been our focus is about building the community and sharing our passion with people. I I I have to double back um, to the underestimate estimate um, getting underestimated. Um, let's talk about your skill level here. So I've had you know I've been fortunate to see you run competitions, um, and I'm a stalker too. So I've all been all the way down your page. Uh, <laughs> So <laughs> you're really good. Like, you're really good. Like, I aspire to even be as half as good as you because I've been carrying since I was probably illegally carrying. No, but I've been carrying since I was probably 21. I'm 33 now. We're about to be 33. And beforehand, I always just carried my duty weapon. Like I've always been in uniform. I, I used to be a federal officer. So I really did. It wasn't a passion. It was like, oh, I love the job. I love this work. But I never ventured out into buying other guns and trying other things. I had no idea. Matter of fact, actually, honestly, till I met you guys, I never really paid attention to things like optics, scopes, and things like that. Like I learned through you guys just from conversation. So when you have somebody who does it as a job, as far as like law enforcement or security, but they kind of want to expand their knowledge on that, what do you suggest they do? Should even though they don't need to take HQL or wear and care or something like that, what should they do and how should they approach an instructor to kind of expand their knowledge on, on firearms? Well, that's a great question. Cause I think to me, um, and what we've been focusing more on is shooting experiences. So um, that's okay. one, one value you have. We have a really, a pretty nice collection of a variety of different kinds of guns. And I've been focused on, our, you know, making sure we, we keep that variety in our, in our, in our stockpile. And then, um, you know, or just going to the range and just buying different types of guns and shooting different types of guns. Mm -hmm. But if you want to get that, you know, one-on-one -on -one time, it's probably really great to just sit with a trainer and just kind of talk about what you want to achieve. You know, are you, are you working on building up some marksmanship skills? Is it all just about mm -hmm. self-protection and how do you best do that? So it's really about those goals and having those conversations. And then we love helping people buy their next gun, their first gun, their next gun, their 10th gun. Um, just, you know, <laughs> just helping people get the best deals and um, making sure they're not getting taken. I mean, like, you know, I hate when I hear women right. being told, oh, yeah, Ooh. you should buy a revolver because you're a woman. And I was like, what? Let's Why? talk about that. You are a great guest. <laughs> Let me check it. Not to interrupt, mm -hmm. but I just was tagged on a post in a, a female gun group on Facebook, and the girl posted two different revolvers, two different snub noses, both were very nice looking firearms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great, they're nice. And she was like, "Hey guys, you know," she was all excited. In my head, I was like, "I don't hope she doesn't take my comment as really, really bad." But she was like, "Hey guys, which one should I buy?" It's my first, um, my first gun. I'm gonna be carrying EDC. Da da da. da. And she was like, "What are the pros and cons?" Um, the store told me I should get one of these two. And I was like, well, first in my head, she said the store, which means she doesn't have a personal connection to whoever told her to buy one or two, right? She just posted it and she's about to buy it. Or she would have said, oh yeah, Jim at such and such told me that I should get. So I'm like, okay, first of all, he doesn't know you. So does he even really know what you need it for, you know, or does he even know your skill Probably level? Probably didn't even ask. So you just Probably say, didn't even ask. 
right. Didn't even ask. He said, matter of fact, one was black and one was purple. So she probably said, my favorite color is purple. Right, exactly. See how you feel? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I saw that. And she was like, pros are cons. So somebody tagged me. And I was not, I usually don't say anything most of the time. So they tagged me. And I was like, I will only say that a con, I think I said something about the con is if you were in a really bad situation, you only had six shots mm-hmm. to get out of that situation. And I think I tagged a video of this firefighter who got like ambushed at the side of his car and he had a revolver and the guys had guns too. And he actually shot all six shots, but you know, everybody's moving and running. So of course he missed half. And then now he only has three shots and he ended up dying. So everybody's like, Oh my God, I never thought of that. Why do people tell us to get these 38s? Why do people tell us to get these six shots? Because revolvers are just so, they're not complicated. They're just so easy to use. They're just mechanical parts. It's less than fails. So they just think our little woman brains <laughs> can't possibly process a semi-automatic handgun. And oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just annoying. I mean, and, and, and hey, don't get me wrong. I'm not a revolver person. So I'm never going to suggest somebody to get a revolver. But that's just out there. But right, it, it, right. some people enjoy it. And they prefer the shooting. Mm-hmm. They feel like they can handle it better. They don't want all the complication of, that comes with a semi-automatic handgun. But to me, I'm like, I'm all about modern times. I mean, you can get lighter weight. I mean, you know, less recoil. I mean, there's just so right. many benefits that go along with the various types of semi-automatics that are out there. That you know, why wouldn't you at least open the aperture and explain to a, a, a young lady looking for a firearm all the options, and then let her decide. Because that's what I tell people. I was like, I can sit here and tell you all day long what works for me, but you got to touch it, feel it, mm-hmm. hold it, shoot it. I mean, right. that, that way it. you're going to know. Because sometimes what's great for me may not work for you. You might have bigger hands, smaller hands. You know, what, how it feels in your hand, how it feels when you shoot it, what's your comfort level. Do you want something that, you know, is a little more complicated? How much do you want to spend? I mean, there's so many factors. And I just feel like yeah. if you go into a gun shop and you're not experienced and you're a woman and you're going to get, unless you go into a good one, you're going to get the, you know, the rando comments because it's like the rando uh, recommendations because they're not going to take the time right. to really help you as they you would a gentleman that. who yeah. comes in and, and, you know, is more knowledgeable and asks the right questions. So right. I, I think and that's, a, that's almost all aspects of life that man, woman, yeah, car, it's ridiculous. I just, I just, my friend just got back from out of the country and she, first thing she did was she um, got told while she was gone that her car engine light came on. So the first thing she did was go and take her truck. She has a BMW truck. She went and took her truck to the place. And I kept saying, all right, you know, when you get to diastic, you know, um, you know, let me know what it says or whatever. Like my dad drives a little Altima. He does not care about cars. But my mother, she drives a V8 Hemi. Like she loves cars. She's into it. She knows way more than me. So I'm like, you know, let me know. And, and, you know, just let me know and we can talk about it. She's like, okay. So she did not let me know. Apparently, they told her that um, they had to run a special diagnostic. I don't know what a special diagnostic is. I just know what a diagnostic is. And they told her that the diagnostic was $200. And because it was a special diagnostic, that they didn't take it out of the price of doing the work, which sometimes usually if it's like an $80 or $100 diagnostic, they say, oh, we put that towards once you get the work done, we take that out of the price. She was like, oh, no, they said they're not doing that because it was a special diagnostic. I said, what in the world does that even mean? What the hell do they do with a special diagnostic? I said, 
come get me and let's go and let me ask them mm-hmm. what's a special diet after because my mouth is big. I might not be big, but my mouth is big. And you, you gonna want to tell me the truth to just get me out your face? I, I know. I got questions. That's what I got questions. I got some questions. <laughs> Let me come ask him some special diagnostic questions. So you know, I mean, we get got all the time for no reason. It's just unnecessary. It's very unfortunate. It's an unfair tax that we pay. You know, like we don't yeah. have enough burdens in the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> I haven't booze. Yeah. That's just ridiculous. But you know, there is so. some fun in that though. Because I love when I get underestimated sometimes and I just start, you know, spewing knowledge on whatever it is and they look at you like, oh. Mm. <laughs> right. Oh, you you get that about. face like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold up. Exactly. Let me switch up what I'm doing. Do you, do you so your home range, do you get that? Have you ever gotten that at your home range? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's plenty of people. Like it's it's funny because I've been more and more vocal about my activities at work and talking to people, and they're like, "You shoot guns? Like what? A, what, a, what kind of guns? <laughs> like all of them? What kind of guns? All of them? <laughs> oh, the more the merrier. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> right. I shot so many guns I couldn't even tell you which ones I shot. I forget. Um, but yeah, so it's just it's funny that way. But yeah, so at the home range, I mean, most because we shoot in the you know special section of the range. And we're not out there. Go ahead and tell them you be Jed Pop. Tell them, okay? They've heard about our range multiple times on this show. Uh-huh. They know that VIP is in the building. But yes, I mean, yeah, yeah. you know. So there's less okay. of that because people, you know, we're, we're a smaller community. Everybody kind of knows each other. So there's less of that. But when newbies come right. in, they do look at me like, oh, are you coming to like uh, clean up or something? And I'm like, no, I'm coming to shoot. Mm-hmm. Out the way. Like, you're <laughs> my lane. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> Wait a minute. Better not nobody ask you if you come in the cleanup. We'll, we'll they give you that, that look. They give you that look, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Taking my drink order. Okay. <laughs> you you said that you shoot all kinds of guns, so many guns you can't even name them all. What do you enjoy shooting most? Handguns or rifles? I would definitely say handguns. I'm okay. Handgun girl. Great. Handgun girl. What brand is your favorite? Uh, Sig is my six hours. My, you know, my my home, my love. Um, okay. but my competition got okay. staccato, so I, I'm all okay. I'm all over the place. But yeah, uh, yeah, those are my those are my favorite brands. So that's pretty much what I usually look for and shop for. Glock. We've gotten a couple of Glocks. I'm just not a Glock fan. I not a Glock not fan. Why is what what makes you not? I don't like the feel of it. I think it's just the way the guns are made. That that grip is just mm. not ideal for me. I mean, everybody like Glock, Glock you know, knuckle is real. Glock knuckle is real. Like you shoot a Glock enough, and you get that callus on that finger. And then right. also, a right. lot of times the triggers bite me. I'm like, I just, I, I don't want to shoot and be injured. <laughs> right. We, me and you recently did some training. You were helping me with some inf- inefficiencies that I have. And um, after I left your training, um, some of the things I left with, I, it made me think about my grip, right? Because I, if you guys don't know, listening, I carry a full size firearm on a regular basis and I'm five, three and my hands are little baby hands but I never thought that that had an effect on my shooting until after I trained with this half of Honey Bear Tactical and you know they give you those uh 
I don't even know what they call them, but they give you the adapters to either, you know, make your grip a little bigger yeah, or whatever. Right. And I looked at them when I got home and I said, you know, maybe I should try putting one of these on because I think a lot of the things I were doing that you were correcting was due to fear of either, either letting go of the gun or the gun snapping me or something. Something was causing me to hold it in a weird way for some uh-huh. reason. And so I thought about that grip and maybe I have grown and maybe I don't actually like a Glock grip at the moment. Uh-huh. So I had, funny that you said that because I think I'm starting to feel that way. I was just uh, reading Mark James. Um, he's an instructor that um, is, is famous for his uh, stuff on Instagram. And he has a chapter in his book about grips, how you should change them out or how you should buy your firearm according to that. Um, and I, and I think I might have to, you know, dwell into that. What, 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 which one of your firearms do you like the grip the most? Um, I think my SIG P320 is, is pretty awesome. So I modified it with the, you know, if you're familiar with 320s, you can actually change all kinds of parts. The, the part that's actually the gun is just the, the trigger control unit. So you can change the grip and the slide and all that cool stuff. So I've been doing that a lot with my 320. Uh, so I have the, the like the X carry Legion style grip that gives me a lot more real estate in the hand part um, mm. versus other grips. And but it's a it's a compact slide, but it looks really cool. Okay. You know, it, it can uh, fit the, the the larger capacity magazines, and it just gives me more real estate on the gun because it's really all about getting all that all that skin on the gun so you can really control the mechanisms. Um, so that's kind of what I do is changing out those grips um the actual whole grip module which is a really cool part of having it oh okay okay yeah so not just adding an adapter part or nothing you you're changing the whole frame so that's pretty awesome because you can change it for different style purposes like you know if if you want different (laughs) colors i got a a white one um but (laughs) i mean you can do all kinds of really cool stuff with it and you know, that's much cheaper than buying a whole new gun. So you can have like a whole new look and a whole right. new gun and a whole new style and feel. Especially yeah. Um, and right. I don't really like aggressive grips either. Like, you know, the, the real rough uh, stippling. Okay. I was just about to say, what is an aggressive oh, grip? Yeah. <laughs> all that stippling and it's just like you put your, you know, hold right. it. And, I mean, it's, it's important for well, grip. But I'm not, I'm not shooting in yeah. the rain and sleet and snow or, or mud. So I don't need all that true, aggressive true. stippling. True. On my on my everyday carry or something I like to shoot at the range, so that's important. and this is exactly why people ask, what gun should I buy? You can't really give them a concrete answer because all these things are preference, and you have to figure this out for yourself. You have to hold the firearm for yourself. Yes. You have to see what works yes. in your hand. I would caution. That's people look at me like, why why can't you just tell me what gun to buy? Because. Look what happened to me. The, my Glock that I, I have, I, I had two. I bought two way back when. I recently transferred over to, to one to my little brother. But the one that I have that you saw, that was actually my first one ever. And when I bought that, I didn't buy it because that was the gun I loved. And I had been researching it. And I knew that it was going to be great in my hand. No, I took advice from my dad, who's a grown man, who's been a police officer all my life, who's like, yeah, buy that Glock. And that's what I got. That was my duty weapon. And so now as I'm getting older and finding what I do and don't like on firearms, I'm like, wait, this wasn't actually the best buy for me. So 
take that into consideration, guys, when you, you're listening to this, like, even grip matters, right? Yeah. So it's not just color. And it's oh, just, yeah. oh, this looks cute. Yeah. Oh, Tiffany you blue. know, one thing that Ladies. women fall for all the time is they think a smaller gun is better. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Mm, yeah, let's talk yes, about that. Smaller <laughs> guns tend to have a lot more pep and more recoil. You're, you're going to feel the effect right. of recoil a lot more. So what you think might be a really cool carry gun, because it's so small and mm-hmm. petite and, and neat, might actually be really hard for you to be accurate with. So you really right. got to take that into consideration. Um, like uh, my carry gun is a P365, which is a nice size. But when I first got it, I hated shooting that thing. It was terrible. <laughs> I felt like it was jumping around on my hands. We call it the noisy cricket. Um, so yeah. Oh my goodness. So I had really had to practice to be proficient because I was like, look, I, I can't, because I, I made a mistake of, of buying it before I shot it. I was like, I didn't go and find one and shoot it. I just wanted, it was the latest mm. hot thing and I wanted it to sing. Right. I just had to go get it. So um, I made that mistake, but I was like, look, I'm not going to give back this, you know, well, you can't give it back. I'm not going to sell this gun. So right. I'm going to learn what right. I did with it because I did want it to be my carry gun because it's nice and small. So I just mm-hmm. didn't work and I just kept practicing with it. So I'm much better at it, but yeah, but uh, my partner, he has a smaller Glock and he hates shooting too. So it's like, it's all right. about what you can be accurate with, what feels good in your hands, you know, when you feel comfortable carrying. Right. I mean, there's just so many factors. People really got to take those considerations. You got to really think about it. And I re- highly recommend go to the range, rent it and shoot it or find somebody who mm-hmm. has one and shoot it. You can't always do that with every type of gun, right. but most of the times, most of the popular mm-hmm. ones, somebody's renting it somewhere for you to shoot. Or you know somebody that has one and you can shoot it before you buy. If you guys are new gun owners, listen to that last part. Go to your local range and see what they got for rent. If if you see what you've already been looking at, shoot yeah. that. You know, she just said how she, me and her just said how we bought the guns without shooting them and then later realized, oh, wait, we got to do something else to this or or I don't like this or whatever. And like you said, you can't give it back. So you either got to learn how to get proficient with it or, you know, sell it. So make sure you guys do your due diligence on looking at yeah. what you want to Well, buy. that's the other thing is you understanding had... what, what you can modify on a gun too. So you might go to the range, pick up something mm. you like, but it's like, mm, you don't really, I don't really like this trigger. Like This trigger's mushy. I'd rather have something more crisp. Or, you know, I really want a safety right. on a gun. Or I really want these features. So just understand what's modifiable and what isn't. And that will also help you too. Because you might not be able to get the perfect gun, but you might be able to get the gun you need and be able to modify it. Like I'm like on my 320 and my 365, I changed out the triggers. And yes, I did it myself. Right. Super excited. Uh, <laughs> Tell them again. <laughs> I did it myself. YouTube is your friend when you are working on your gun. <laughs> I was just about to say, what 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 made you tra- change it? What makes you change mm-hmm. out the trigger? Um, it's just uh the 320 comes with a curved trigger, and I like flat triggers, so that was really cool. Okay. And um, the apex trigger actually has like enhanced features, so it's a lot. It's, the trigger pull is, is shorter. So instead of being more okay. like a four-pound okay. pull, I think it's like a two-pound pull or something like that. So you get, you know, a lot gotcha. faster acquisition. So just like that. Yeah. What kind of pull is on your um, EDC gun? Uh, yeah, that's a light, that's a light one, too, because I, I switched that trigger out as well. So, yeah. Gotcha. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. If you... If, uh, you, we talked about your roles in Honey Bear Tactical just a little bit, but I kind of want to dwell on that some because recently I had a few females who have just gotten their NRA certs and they're like, okay, 
great. I can shoot. Okay, great. I want to teach people how to shoot. But what about the business side of being an instructor, right? And I'm like, okay, I definitely want to talk about that on the show because I don't think a lot of people talk about that. What people post the most is, here's me training somebody. Here's me doing this to somebody. Here we got this. But what about that business side? So I feel like you might be able to give some insight on the business side along with me. Um, your role, do you do, you do more of the administrative stuff, more of the business stuff? Yep. I am the business manager. So I'm responsible for all things business. So actually, um, the website and, uh, well, which helps me do actually do the website, the content and stuff, but, um, you know, actually paying the mm-hmm. bills, you know, making sure we're actually making a profit when we actually host a class or, or do shooting experiences, right. actually developing the quotes, sending out the invoices, making sure the payments come in, right. all that good stuff. Um, I think people forget that they got to do any yeah. of that when they become yeah. instructors now. Yeah, um, that's absolutely important. Definitely an influx um, of people getting into this at the moment. Um, do you think that the whole, since the election is over, um, do you think that it's died down? The amount of students, the uproar, the need that people had in their brain for getting trained, do you think it's dying down now? Uh, I think a little, not too much. I mean, because there's still all this controversy. I think more people are not interested in AR-15s because that's like the next big thing that's going to be hit, <laughs> me, right? right? Me. So I think we're getting right, a lot more interest right. kind of not in handguns, but in rifles. So I think that's important. But I think it's still kind of, you know, I, I would say the, the, the frenzy is not as, as much as it was before the election. But I still think there's people that right. are, I think, and if anything, it's kind of switched. So before it was kind of like, well, they're going to take, you know, my ability to get a gun. I want to go get one. And now it's more like this world is crazy. Did you see what happened at the Capitol? I need to protect myself and my family. Right. <laughs> Exactly. Right, so it's like a shift exactly. in, in thought process, and now people are more aware that they can't wait for the government to protect them. They're going to have to do it themselves. I mean, if our senators and Congress people are sitting there scared of the Capitol that people are going to come in and shoot them, what does that mean right. for the rest of us? You know, right. mere mortals. We're watching. We're watching Secret Service people put desk up in front of the door. And not shoot anybody and run away. And I was like, you know, if we were never embarrassed before. <laughs> right. Mm. That was a crazy mm. scene to play at to see play out. And, I, and it's just like the whole right. idea that a group of people were just so upset that their candidate didn't win that they would do something like right. that. It was just like eye opening. I know for me, I was like, I never would have thought in my lifetime I would have saw something like that. And those people felt totally justified and totally right. And, you know, we don't still to this day. And and it's just like, and the people who were at home saying that they were doing the right thing still to this day, they feel that. Yes. I know. I think to me, I think this election was so polarizing in the sense of, I don't think this administration understands how significant the gun issue is. Like gun rights are important to people that are not, the crazy stereotypical people they try to paint gun owners as like I don't think people right, think right, when they think right, gun right. owners I don't think they think me and you I think they think yeah, absolutely not the, I don't think we're ever included in the exactly, thought process and that exactly. is the problem it's like, I am a responsible mm-hmm. firearm owner who enjoys the sport you know really enjoys the, uh, has passion for owning these, these firearms because they're just amazing tools 
And then also, mm-hmm. I want to be able to protect myself. I mean, I, we had four years of a president who thought it was okay to grab women by the you-know-what that created a certain climate. <laughs> that literally created a certain climate where yeah. it was okay yeah. to victimize women. Say and do whatever right, they wanted right. to do. To women I mean, there's like a, a whole underground group of men out there, the incels, who are just like, you know, have this mm-hmm. vendetta against women. It's going around randomly victimizing women. I mean, I don't have data or stats, but right. it's just scary. The stories you hear about the attack on women. Right. And I'm like, ah. Uh-uh. And, and then even so. the even, <laughs> right, right. And I was just about to say, and even to go even further in that, what I feel that this administration doesn't understand, which is very weird to me, is that you aren't including us in this data, this school shootings, this all that stuff, right? You're not talking about me, right? You're not talking about me. So you're saying that these laws are to stop all of that from happening, but you're not actually talking to the people or the type of person that's doing it, one. So you're telling me that I have to abide by these new crazy rules, even though you're also saying that these crazy rules are to stop gun violence, let's just say in the hood, but you don't live here, right? And Baltimore County right now, but I used to live very close to the city in New York and here, but you're not really doing these laws to protect me from the people that might be running up in my house. Because if you were doing that, you would allow me the opportunity to protect myself from those people. But what you're really doing is starting to create more victims if you take away the tool that's an equalizer for a 5'3 right. woman. Right. Living right. In. I, and I think what frustrates me is they're the focused on the wrong issue. Instead of, water, instead of mm-hmm. trying to stop people from being able to have access to guns, why don't we talk about why people are out here murdering people at mass murders? Why are people mm-hmm. committing mass murders? Mental health is the issue mm-hmm. that we need to be addressing. Right. So if you take guns out of the equation, somehow, some way, you were able to erase the, the, the continent of guns, people would still find a way to kill mm-hmm. people if we don't address the mental health issues. <laughs> Isn't that in France? In France, they don't, they can't have guns and they're stabbing everybody. It's just like, you have to think about that. It's like, get to the core and the crux of the issue. You're fixing the symptom. The tool might change. The tool might change, but the reason behind it won't. If they have mental problems and these people are so fragile, because there's a lot of fragileness happening too. Like a lot of these people, they're fragile and that's why the mental state it's yeah. cracking. So taking away the gun is not going to stop them no. from being fragile and not no. have mental problems. They're just going to find yeah. something to use. Eventually, they're just going to start killing yeah, people with exactly. irons. Exactly. Okay? I mean, I think the scariest mass shooting for me, I mean, of course, they were all horrible and, and, and you know, just very sad state of affairs. But the Las Vegas one, because mm-hmm. there was, they mm-hmm. never really understood the motivation. Like, you know, some of them, they had a manifesto right. and, you know, they had all these indications that right. they weren't very stable and they had all these issues in their lives. That right. guy, all those guns were purchased legally. He didn't have any right. background. Nobody, it was out of nowhere. That, to me, it's a scary one, right? Like, that's like, you can't right. just label yeah. him as crazy or, you know, illegal or criminal or something like that. Right. Like, we need they to understand what happened. <laughs> right, he needs to Somebody go talk to him. We need to understand what happened to that guy. Because that, to me, that's the scary yeah. thing, right? He had all that access, legal access. None of the gun laws that they're talking about would have prevented what happened. Right. Exactly. That is, I think that is the point of what we're saying. Like, none of these laws 
are actually going to actually stop any of this. They're just laws that are going to make it harder for people to protect themselves, period. Right. Hey, that's crazy. Period. Yeah. See, mm, mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Girl. Girl. I don't say girl a lot on this show, but girl. Right. 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 Well, you know what? Mm, okay. We went on a tangent, but listen, let's get back. Let's get back to okay. being an instructor, right? Let's get back. Okay. On the business side, what do you suggest? Maybe three initial things that a new female instructor starting their new LLC or starting their new instructor business, what are the three first things that you think they should put in place or do to get their business up and running? Um, I think the first thing is just deciding what you want, like what's your passion. Like we, uh, I created like a mm-hmm. one pager that I could just hand to anybody that said, what do we want Honey Bear Tactical to be? Who are we trying to reach? What's our audience? And you know, what are we trying to achieve? Right. So if this, if you're in this business to make money, then you know what do you want. Do you want to be able to replace your full time job? Do you want to just make enough money to you know supplement another hobby, or you just want to give back to the community? I mean, like, what's your real interest in doing this? And then that kind of drives everything else. So this is just going to be like you know a side thing for you. You just want to kind of be able to say, hey, I can certify my friends when they're interested in firearms. Then do you really need to do an LLC and all that fancy stuff? No, probably just your certification and just you know. Your, your, your local network and social media, it's fine. But if you're really invested, mm-hmm. you want to make this your full-time job and you're passionate, you need to invest in that. So you want to have a website. You want to have a, a, a significant social media presence. You want to have the, the bank account, the, you know, the EIN. You want to go the official route. So that way you can separate your personal finances from your business finances. And then you can you know, not get in trouble with the IRS because don't nobody want no trouble with the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> Don't nobody want to trouble with the IRS. I was on the phone with my, my uh, accountant, tax uh-huh. man today, and I was like, did I do everything right? Because that's the bottom line. I am, I am sucky at that stuff. And I never, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, but it's always been like some uh-huh. side gig stuff. I, I, I've dabbled in owning a lounge uh, partner. I had a partnership where we owned a lounge, but I had a federal job at the time. So it was like side right. stuff. So I never actually had to really go deep into it the way I am now. So let me tell y'all, she not don't play with the IRS because in a blink of an eye, everything you worked for will go down the drain. It could be as simple as not filling out a form correctly. And now you know everything that you made because you just didn't do what you're supposed to do. So I agree. Get all that stuff. People don't always understand the trade-off too, because like if you're investing in your business and you're not paying attention to that, you may think you're making money, but then when you start looking at your books, you're like, well, wait a minute, I made $2,000, but I spent $1,800. Like, did I really make out? Like, so there's like a problem loss money because I see some of my fellow trainers out there and they're doing like one person HQL classes. And I'm like, Four hours, one person, how much did you charge? Like, <laughs> you, you know, people don't think time right, is money. Right. So while, while you enjoy what money. you're doing, if you're not, like, if you're investing a whole lot of time in something, what's your return on investment? Like, you, if you're just doing it for the love, then, hey, have at it. But if you're trying to make money, right. that ain't it. Like, you're you going to be broke. <laughs> And I and I and I can speak, I can speak from experience with that. I, I now do either one or two people like HQL classes. And I did it first due to, I guess, COVID. Um, 
right before my surgery, I that's when I started it. The month, um, the month before my surgery, I started doing less people because of that. So yes, it does take more time and less money in that aspect. And but I, I still do it even after surgery because what I realized is when I did a big class. Yes, I made all the money, but these people would be so confused yeah, afterwards still. Like it was just not getting the information. Now my four hours isn't split between 10 to 15 people though. It's split between one person. And now I know that they can actually drop the magazine, right? right? That's something yeah. so simple. But one of those things that people be like, wait, where's the right. button again? Right. <laughs> yeah, frustrating to me man so it's like and then it's like I can't really blame them just them I have to blame myself either you know so me doing it one-on-one I I decided to continue it because I want to become a better teacher part right because this is before we get into the range and I've never been a teacher before I've never done instruction like that before so I like having the time to perfect the craft so if you're going to use it for that, I say, yeah, definitely do that. But when she talks about, hey, you're using four hours and you're only doing, you know, charging, I also amp yeah. up my price. These gotcha. individual, I amp up the price. And I let them know, like, hey, I have a group class later this month. And, yes, the price is smaller. So you can do that or right. you can do this. So I give them options. But I definitely yeah. amped up my price because time is yeah. definitely money. So you have to play all those things into, you know, and I mean, put all those into factors. Cause she right. Like, come, but then you gotta think if I work a nine to five, like a regular nine to five, not your fancy, not your fancy. <laughs> but if you're not on salary, right. And you're doing, I mean, we can just talk about the security industry period. If I'm doing security and I'm making $15 an hour, but then I switch to doing instruction and I'm making maybe 150 to 250 for four hours, I'm still making more than I was going to make that day spending at a job. I hate right. for eight hours. And then taxes. Right, don't forget taxes. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're making the money in the eight hours, and but then you don't even get it. It gets taxed, and then you make even less. So you got to play all that into factors. And, and that's kind of why I still do it just maybe one or two people because it gives me that satisfaction. Because I don't know what Lou said. Um, He called it a HQL farm, yeah, I yeah. think he called that's, it. That's a term we use. Yeah, that's what HQL farms. That's what was happening for me. I was doing that, but because of my mentor, that's what he does. He does major classes all the time. He's pushing out classes every day, maybe twice a day. And so if you're taught that, just like kids, if they're taught how to go out and be gangbangers, they're going to be gangbangers. So for me, I was I was taught from the back, HQL farm. This is how you make your money. This is how you do this, blah, blah, blah. But then it wasn't satisfying my soul yeah. like, I was yeah, like wait I, a minute I think, like, there's, I think there's, there's a middle action. ground like there's a middle <laughs> ground where you can you know have a, a decent sized class that, that you know make is profitable but mm-hmm. also be able to spend the quality time like I, I have the luxury of having a partner so we can tag team and and train right, together right. but we still try to keep our class sizes relatively small so we can have that one-on-one time and we don't just come in shoot one shot right. and you're done because that's really all the state of Maryland requires and like you don't even have to really go to the range why is just, that you know, demonstrate you can shoot a gun um but no we want people to walk in like you mm-hmm. said i want you to understand how to load a magazine how to empty the magazine how to rack the slide you know get practice doing right. that so we're running people through a course of fire that gives them some of that experience mm-hmm. and so you know they might not remember it 
every single time. And, and you know, but at least they walked away feeling right. a little bit more comfortable. There's been plenty of times when people have come up to me right. and said, you know, I took my I took my HQL from you know blase blase blah, blah, and I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> right? Like I do not even feel comfortable right. to the range. So I want like I was so excited when I saw one of our students at country on her own, like doing her thing. I'm like, you go, girl. Like I, I felt great about that. Hey, right. Because it was like we trained her and now she feels comfortable enough to take her and her girls and go to the range. So like that is awesome. And she right. also like bought her gun right away. Right. And so and we helped her buy her gun. It was just like so to see her take off and start developing her own skills. And she's like, oh, I'm coming back and getting some lessons. Like that was exciting for me, for sure. To see yeah, that. that's, that's what I'm talking right about. There. Like that's what we're trying to create. Not just, right. you know, come in, get your HQL and see you next time, you know, whatever. I'm done with you. But like building that community. Uh, it, <laughs> I'm done with you. Right. 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 Do you guys, do you guys have a Facebook, um, Instagram. I, I want to get that out before I, even the end of the show, because building the community, I think that's really important. Like, I want people to know where they can contact you. Like, you know, you guys are not one of those people who don't answer questions. I, I, can't, I come across that a lot where people are like, well, you got to book my class in order to answer, oh, ask no. me a question. Yeah. I'm not like that. No, you guys are not like no. that. Cause I, I've been yeah. Oh, I oh, know yeah. Lewis. You have to you have to stop so. us from helping you put the range. <laughs> like, wait, wait, let me show you how to do something. Right, right. So we're at Honey Bear Tactical. Yeah, on like Instagram, and uh, mm-hmm. we do have a Facebook page. I haven't launched it yet. I'm working on it, but you can find us soon <laughs> on Facebook at Honey Bear Tactical as well. And then my Instagram, my personal Instagram is Gut Punch Barbie. Uh, yeah. Gut Punch Barbie. So I get I get accused of posting more on my personal Instagram than I do on the on our business page, but I'm not the social media manager. I it happens. Maybe, maybe we need to hire a social media manager because I'm new to the Instagram game. I like I don't know if I told you, but I take yeah. like thirty to forty five minutes to create like a post. <laughs> so I definitely right. take my cues from you and learn how to how you do it because you're amazing with right. Instagram. I let me tell you, I wish I could take all the credit, but. I learned from a brand manager. Her name is Shauna Kay. And she literally took me through like a whole course on how to figure out what I want to say, how I want to say it through social media. And then over a year is developed. Now, like I could post, you know, now I'm trying, actually I'm trying to post like three times a day. That's how good I've gotten. I'm like, okay, I think I need to post more to be seen more and active, you know, in the thing. But you know, I got a couple of pages. I got my business page, industry podcast page, my personal page. So it's social media is yeah. a job in itself. So that's that's a piece of advice I can give to instructors right now. If you have the funds or if you know somebody who needs an internship, get you a social right. media so that you can focus on being a better instructor and giving good information out rather than ah, I got to post real quick. I got to do this. Right. I got to do that. Absolutely good advice. That That's yeah, definitely I- yeah, that I told you earlier. As soon as I get rich, I'm hiring a, a, a assistant, an administrator, something because the paperwork part is right, not my thing. I love paperwork, so I, I'm excited to do that part. <laughs> yeah, that is not for 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 instructors overall, like men or women, whoever. What do you suggest to make some to that people can do to become better instructors? Train. I think it's all about training. Train. Trainers train. 
do not think because you became an instructor. That was my social media post. <laughs> just do not think just because you've gotten certified in NRA said you can go and teach people that you stop learning. I mean, to me, like we go, we go to that other people's classes. We pick up on their training techniques. We adopt them in, into our own curriculum. And we are constantly learning right. and growing and training ourselves. So to me, I want to be a good marksman. So I've been focusing on marksmanship. The NRA has a really good marksmanship program where it has all these courses of fires and you just kind of run yourself through them and you can develop your skill set that way. So I'm like a, uh, I forgot, I think oh. I'm a sharpshooter now. I think I'm at sharpshooter level. Hey, yeah. see what I'm saying, y'all? I said um, her skills. But, but, and there's also a perishable skill too. So it's like, you got to keep practicing. Um, the last competition we were in, it was all about dominant hand, support hand shooting. And you could see who's been practicing with their support hand and who hasn't. So. And is this, is this on the NRA, these courses that you're talking about, are, are, do they cost or is this something they send to you or how do people get uh, involved no, with that? Free. If you Google NRA, uh, what was it, qualification? Oh, man, I have to, I have to look it up. But... Um, <laughs> okay. NRA marksmanship, I think. I'm a, I'm a, okay. Uh, marksmanship qualification program. That's it. NRA marksman qualification program. Okay. You I'm can, yep, it's, it's gonna it's do right on their website. You do not have to be a member to get it. And uh, you can, um, oh, a PDF yeah. of their whole booklet that walks you through all the various ones that you can practice. I mean, and that's really great. Now, if you want oh. to actually get like the actual certifications from them, you can order like what it's, it's all self kind of self taught and self paced. And you're like, you're your own mm -hmm. judge yourself. So you're, it's a trust honor system. And then you buy the rockers that you can put on your, you know, your bag or your badge or your, your vest or whatever. Oh yeah. I definitely need to be more active in that part. I was actually one of those people. So two things you said just now, you said that it's a perishable skill and that you said that just because you get your cert doesn't mean you stop training. So my story on both of those things is I stopped doing security for probably about a year and then I got sick. And during that time, that was a year. So there was no shooting, no training, no nothing happening. And that was before I was an instructor. So by the time I decided to open my own company, I had been, what, two and a half years of not shooting at all. Um, and my crazy butt lost vision in my left eye. So there's, when I say perishable, honey, I'm talking about, it was like starting all over. Like still to this day, it's like starting all over because if you do not practice, I'm sure if I get on a bike right now, my kneecaps are going to wobble a little. Like if you do not do it, you literally lose that. And so definitely I can attest to you need to train. Um, and that's what I'm doing now. Like when the new year came, um, once I had surgery, I was like, okay, once I'm back, I need to start training with other trainers. I need to really be intentional about that um and I'm still going like I, I just recently went to North Carolina um I think maybe last week or the week before and I spent a few days there training uh, with the active shooter um company in the sheriff's office and you really need to and it was a lot of things like oh man I should be really good at this or oh man I never even knew to think like this so training even if you're a trainer you should definitely keep training I could definitely say that that was one of my bad habits, not training. I'm I'm at the range every day. I just did a episode about shotgun shooting, and I have a brand new shotgun that I probably only shot twice. And I'm at the range almost every day. And it's like 
why am I not shooting my own weapons as much as I'm teaching somebody else to shoot? So I'm definitely trying to be better at that. Um, so yeah, telling the instructors to train, I think. In, in security officers, you guys, I know a lot of people who come to me for qualification. They, they um, I don't know if you guys, do you guys train people who need to qualify for their jobs? Yeah. Yeah, I think that now is starting to, be a bigger thing because most of the time people just go to qualification and they'd be like, man, I sucked. Yeah. You didn't even go to the range at all right. this year. So yeah, exactly. of course you suck. What do you expect? So what, what advice would you give to those people? <laughs> right. What do you expect? What, what would you tell those people like to, should they be training all the time because it's their job? Should they be practicing the qual itself or should they be practicing yeah. shooting? I think itself? it's a combination of both. I mean, you definitely got to get some, just hands on the gun, manipulation, practicing. So dry firing at home mm-hmm. can give you give you all of that. So sitting there watching TV, just pull out your, your gun, make sure it's not loaded, no ammo around, and, and just dry fire <laughs> at the, at the right. screen. Don't shoot. So uh, that's a great way to get some practice in. And then I definitely uh, think that people should actually shoot the qualification. I, I, I yell at people all the time where it's like, okay, if you're supposed to shoot 20 shots at 15 yards, shoot 20 shots at 15 yards. Don't just stop because the first 10 are good. <laughs> you need to shoot all mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should do that consistently. I mean, of course, ammo prices are ridiculous right now, so it's kind of more challenging to do that. But whatever the qualification is, you need to practice that and just keep doing it. And that's how you get good because you're building the muscle memory associated with the movement you need to do that consistent shooting. Right. So you don't want to just kind of have a, a fluke that I pass. You want to um, walk in the room confident. No like, one oh, look. I, right. I did it this one time okay. at the range okay. three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, yeah. and people do it all the time. I just had uh, two correctional officers who came. And they've been correctional officers for like five, six years. And they still have trouble passing the same qualification that they have to do. You really want to go into a situation where now your adrenaline is pumping and you have to save your life when you're just barely passing your qualifications. Like you want to know you're going to be able to save yourself in those scenarios. Right. So that's why right. practice is really important. I don't know why. I don't know why we, I say we, because I was one of those people. Like, I was never scared of qualification. I always passed qualification uh, until my NRA test. I had to take that several times. But I always passed qualification. But I don't think I was one of those people who never went to the range at all. Like, at least when I knew qualification was in the next couple months, I was like, okay, let me go practice the qual, though. I always only practiced the qual. I didn't go to the range just for fun. Like, I always practiced the qual. So, hopefully, just by this conversation, we can kind of get that into people's heads and change that whole idea of how they treat themselves and their firearms that are sitting at home. Um, for new gun owners, right? Because you deal with new gun owners all the time, and and this is gonna be. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up. I know I told you 45 minutes, but you know you're really good at this. Um, <laughs> so have a fun. Right, I want to talk about you, you shooting competition, but mm-hmm. right before that, I want you to tell me some tips for good new gun owners how to keep their guns safe or you know uh things they should know when becoming a new gun owner something like that whatever you feel is important uh i think it's definitely important to have some kind of safe situation so i know a lot of people um like if you just go and buy like a document safe just something where you can have it under a code or a key so that you know mm-hmm. it's safe and protected at home. And depending on why you bought the gun, if it's for self-protection, then you know you want to make sure you, you have it loaded, it's ready to go, 
it, at night or, you know, when you're walking around the house, you want to have that at the ready so you can protect yourself in the situation. You don't want to be running and scrambling trying to find the ammo and the magazine and, and all that. Right. So you want to keep that gun in a in a position where it's ready to be used. Um, and I think dry firing is very important. I, I don't do enough of it, but I think that's really a great way to just sit at home, just practicing, squeezing that trigger, keeping that gun steady. It, you know, does wonders for your ability to be accurate right. when you're shooting. And then um, I think it's also about, you know, think about that next gun. Like, let's not stop at one. Let's get, right. you know, <laughs> let's have an arsenal. Like, right. you hold the let's gun. have an arsenal. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Most of us are behind on that, you know, not yeah. you, but most of us <laughs> is behind on that. You know, like I meet a bunch of other people from different cultures and they're like, oh yeah, my first gun, my dad gave it to me when I was five. I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. We uh, definitely, as a people, do not encourage our children to um, partake in. in, in and what, what do you think about that? Uh, do you guys teach youth also? Yeah, we actually were talking about, and we need to get on actually developing a specific course for children because a lot of people ask about that. And I think yeah, a lot of people ask. I think the the reason why there's sometimes unfortunate accidents with children is because we make guns so taboo. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, it's this big secret, like, dad has a gun, I don't know where it is, but oh, if I find it, I can play with it. Right, and right. so we really need to take the, the stigma off of it, show them the guns and tell them, you know, these are, this is, this is a tool, and this is how you use it, but you are not to touch it. And I think that would help a lot and go really far. I mean, you do not see that problem in other communities. I mean, we go to the gun range all the time, and you see kids as young as seven and eight in there shooting up a storm, and it's not the first time they touch the gun. So I think we're really doing our children a disservice in our communities by not introducing them to firearms at a young age. You know, and yeah. it's not going to be for everybody. It's not going to be for every kid, but at least show them – you know, what do you do when you find a gun? You know, so they don't like go to somebody else's house and like their kids are playing with guns and now your kid's involved in, in something accidental because they didn't know any better. It's like, so let's just take the stigma off of it. Let's not make it so taboo and teach them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's important. And not to mention, I mean, they might enjoy it and it's a skill they can develop. I mean, who knows? Um, do you guys um, run like family courses where it's just like it's private but it's just the whole family that comes out uh we've definitely done couples uh, i'm not sure we have one where we've done like whole families but definitely book clubs like people that hang out together oh, friends yeah. and stuff like that yeah okay. groups of friends yeah so we've definitely those are like a lot of fun because then it gets real competitive amongst everybody <laughs> That's, the, that's probably the joy of having a partner too. You guys doing it together. You can have multiple people without, you know, it being like. I mean, I took my friends from out of town to the range. And it was like eight of them, and I was like, you know what? You guys are annoying. One, and I can't watch all of you at the same time. And no, put that down. No, get right. Point that way. So you know that is probably a really good thing that you guys have each other to be able to manage those kind of group settings. Um. Do you think everybody should have a partner or you think people should just not take on more than they can shoot? Yeah, I think that's the important part. I mean, if you don't have the luxury of having a partner, then you should keep your class sizes to something that's more um, uh, manageable for one Mm -hmm. person. Yeah. Especially when you're dealing with new shooters. You don't want people in a situation where they're doing something that's unsafe. 
um, because, or, you know, they can just hurt themselves a little, like, you know, slide yeah. by, there's a thing. And you don't want, if somebody has a bad experience and you're kind of turning somebody away from the community, and that's the, the opposite sure. of what we want. We want people to have good first time shooting experiences so they're excited to, to do more and really become a part of this community. So yeah. that first experience is crucial to whether or not somebody's going to come back and, and actually purchase a gun and really join this community. So I think we've got to be very careful about how we introduce people. And so it's important to keep those class sizes to a manageable space. And I mean, we've done things that like stagger people. Like, you know, if you have a big H2O class, just stagger mm -hmm. when people come to yeah. the range. So you have that one-on-one -on -one time and give them good one-on-one -on -one time and not just rush them through the, right. the, the, the process just to right. check the box but really have them walk away understanding and knowing and, and building that comfort level. And I think that's really important when we're working with women and, and sometimes men too, but a lot of times women are just very timid about the situation. It's like you can feel people tense up. And yeah. actually, you know, I'm not even going to just put that on women. I, new shooters, period. Ooh, yeah, um, I'm glad you but, said it because I had some, yeah. some guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had one guy that was just shaking the whole time. Yeah. He was yeah. so nervous. And it's so... It's, and it was off-putting to me because, you know, men are usually like, oh, I got this. You right. know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I've shot a gun like 25 <laughs> years ago. I don't need your help. Oh, I hate that. Right. I hate when they come <laughs> to me. Don't come to me if you're going to spend the whole time telling me why I shouldn't sh train you. Don't right. come to me if you're going like, to why are you here? Right. Man reasons why <laughs> you don't need training even though you paid for it. I don't understand. Right. It's like why are you here then? Like, right. Sure. Why are you like you're paying me. I don't I don't Right. Know. Like, I hate I'd be like um, mm, okay. Yeah, but it's about that confidence of building that uh thing. So I when I see people doing that, I say okay and I don't put the gun down. Shake it off. Just you know shake yeah. it off. Just, you tell me. You did that to me. You did that uh -huh. to me. I, yeah. I got to shake That's it important. off. Yeah, because you get you get real tense in the shoulders, like in new shooters. And I, and I had this when I when I started shooting too. You get real tense in the shoulder because like this is a dangerous thing. Like you've heard so much from the media about how dangerous guns are and how right. people can die. I mean, it's a it's a weapon. I mean, I don't like to use the word weapon because they're tools. Firearms right. are tools. Um, <laughs> your laptop could be a weapon if you hit somebody upside right. the head with it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but so it it is a situation where you're going to be nervous and you want to build that comfort level with people. But then sometimes you have people come in like, all right, racket. Yeah, but whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, can you not point that in my face? Like, what are you right, doing? Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, I just, I just had that yesterday. A student that was, I was teaching, if you guys don't know, listening, I teach private detective courses too. And that's no, you don't have to shoot a gun for that at all. It has nothing to do with it. But he came back to the range Actually, he came back to the range to buy um, a firearm. He wanted to look at a firearm, so he came to buy it. And um, the guy he was getting it from let him hold it. And when he, I'm on the phone, I'm, I happen to be across the room, but I'm on the phone, and I happen to look up, and, I mean, he's flagging me from the left to the right. He's just – he never cleared the gun. He's just looking at it. He's just, and wow. so I, I told him with the person I was on the phone with, like, it was totally a business call. I was like, hi, Miss Anna, can you hold on one second? Hey. Stop flagging me. Are you crazy? Just look at me like. And he was a grown man, but it was like, I need you to understand that it's serious. I'm not about to say, hey, can you point that the other way? Because you're going to laugh it off. No, I'm, right. I'm yelling at you to un so you can understand, just like a kid, that I'm serious. And you just like, oh. So these kind of safety things, I quotation marks, these kind of things, people actually don't know just off that. Yeah. Because of what yeah. they've seen in the media, they still are not exactly safe, even though they're scared. 
from the things they've seen. <laughs> it's just crazy. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So those are people like I, I, I'd rather have the person that's very timid and like every move they just put the gun down, put the gun down, mm-hmm. like, no, 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 don't yeah. put it down. Just point it that way. <laughs> so, but yeah, but I think that first experience is just so crucial. We have to make sure people have good first experiences. So keeping that class size to a manageable size of kids. But you should always have a training team. I mean, it's 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 not a failure to reach out and, and get some help. But you also got to uh, watch your profit margin too because yeah. the more people you bring into the mix, the more you got to share the profit. Uh, so you want to make sure that... You know, and I'm saying it depends on your motivation. If you're out here to make money and that's this is going to be your business and this is how you're going to make your living, then you're going to be a lot more serious about your profit margin than if you're doing it for the love and, and you literally just want some change to, to buy ammo. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. But you definitely should have a value proposition. Like, if you're doing it for the love and you don't care how much money you make, you just don't go broke doing it. But yeah, you got to think about that. And I think going back to my point earlier, that's why it's important to separate your personal finances from your business finances, because mm-hmm. then you can actually tell and manage, am I really making a profit or am I pricing myself out of the market or what am I doing that mm-hmm. is not getting me the value that I want out of this experience, out of this uh, situation right. I've created for myself? Yeah. And, and watch those. I think you mentioned it kind of earlier. Watch those profit and loss. That's what that is for. If you can't do it yourself, get an accountant. I mean, there's a lot of accountants or CPAs that do a la carte stuff. If you just need somebody to look over your stuff and tell you what your profit and loss, you can actually pay for that. And and you can keep it going. If you can't afford them, you know, on retainer or however that works, make sure, but but pay attention to what you're spending. Yeah. um, Create create a simple spreadsheet for yourself. What did you spend? How much did you bring in? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, subtract the two. Because it's very easy to ignore all of that. It's very easy to just continue to do what you're doing and be like, man, I'm paying a lot for this classroom. Right? Right. Right. And and I can even talk about classrooms. Like for me at our home range, when before I was a VIP member, I'm paying for $550 for a classroom in range time. And Really, it wasn't about the price for me. It was about the look I wanted for my brand because I was brand new in the game. And I knew everybody else was taking their students to every different kind of classroom they could get for $100. Then it was making them drive to the range. And then it was just lot, pop, pop, pop. But I knew if yeah. I spent if I spent $1,000 on two different classes, but my class size was big, they're going to spread the word. So now they're going, oh, we're at a state of of the art facility. I ate lunch. I had ribs and crab cake. Oh, the bathroom is clean. It was COVID safe. Oh, it's really all about what you want it to look like, to be like what you're trying to accomplish. Now, am I still doing that? No, because (laughs) I got that. (laughs) I got that word of mouth. And I also got the relationship with the people who have the building where I'm like, hey, yeah, man, it's costing a little too much. That don't make no sense. What's up? So you just kind of got to build relationships too. That's a big thing, I think, for yeah. new instructors who don't have their own building or whatnot. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And I think that what you talked about is so important to me. It's about the experience, right? Mm-hmm. You want you want your name and your brand associated with a certain level of quality. Yeah. So you got to decide what you want that to be. And I mean, because I know I've had bad training experiences where the trainer had us in, you know, the hood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Was literally, looking, was literally looking out the window for his car, making sure his car didn't get broken. See what I'm saying? Right. All because <laughs> so he wanted to keep that, his, his, that, his overhead low. Right. 
Right, right, right. And so you don't want to price yourself so low, you your expenses so low that the experience you're providing is, is right. bad. Right. Because that right. gets out, you know? So, that gets out. Absolutely. Exactly, exactly. Absolutely. So you want to make sure. I mean, nobody's saying you got to put people up at the, you know, the Hilton. Ritz Carlton, you know? right. <laughs> yeah, Ritz Carlton and, and feed them caviar for lunch. Or right. Anything. But you want to, the little touches are, are what's useful and what, it makes it memorable. Right? I've had people come back to me for private lessons after doing HQL because of the food at the range. Not because of HQL. They were like, I was just thinking about how we'd be here for a couple of hours. And the last time you gave us a break and we got to get the food. So I figured, you know, why not come back? And I was like, "Uh uh-huh, exactly. Those little (laughs) things that had nothing to do with me. I didn't cook it. I didn't really actually offer it. It was, it's there every day. And it's the little things, but yeah, that, that. They associated that great experience with you. So, yep. 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 And I and I will take all that credit. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. I feed my <laughs> exactly. students. Yes, I absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Let's let's wrap it up with your competitions. Okay. Okay. So you guys don't know Gut Punch Barbie is a competition shooter. So uh what made you get into doing competitions and what do you like about it? And, and you know, like why do you do it? Why are you a comp- competition shooter? Uh, it's a different, it's a different way to train and it's okay. a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. to me, it was all about how do I give myself these more dynamic training experiences and also have a little fun because you, you want to get better and not so much I'm competitive. So it's like, I want to go in there and shoot better <laughs> than the guys. I'm right. The and she does. Competition. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she- I, I do. Okay. I, I wish I could do better. I'm more accurate than I am fast. I'm trying to get Fast right, right, right. Pretty accurate, but I need to get fast and accurate. So to me, it's all about building those skill sets. And you get a lot of good practice with just standing there shooting at paper targets, but you get better practice when you're out there moving and shooting and trying to right. acquire targets in different ways. And there's a there's a timer now. So you're you're building right. another skill set. Um, there was a gentleman that we were shooting with, a fellow trainer who joined the competition and he was just so defeated afterwards because he didn't do as well as he thought he would. And uh, he was like, oh, I'm just going to quit. And I'm like, no, you can't quit. Like you're, <laughs> you're working on a different skill set. This is your first time shooting. Don't sell right. yourself short. Right. You didn't do horribly, but you also didn't do the best, but this was your first time. And this is a different skill set. You've been practicing standing there, slow controlled shots on mm-hmm. target. Yeah. And now we just introduce a buzzer. Right. That's a whole other dynamic. And now you're moving around and you're shooting from different angles and you're shooting around barriers and stuff like that. Like that is going to build your skill set. And that's going to give you more realistic, more realism in having a self-defense situation. Because yeah. how often is your target going to just stand there at 15 yards Never. and you just shoot them? Right. Never. <laughs> Never. So, you know, to me, it's also adding a level. It's just adding to my skill set. And I think and it's, and it's fun. It's a it's- lot of fun. And I, I basically had the complete opposite thought process when I did my first competition that Lewis made me do. Um, he's very good at that, guys. If you don't know who we're talking about, you just follow their page, Honey Bear Tactical, you'll figure it out. Um, he made me do that AR um, competition, and I had the exact thing. I did horrible, but I had the exact opposite. It didn't defeat me. It made me go by 
my own parts to create my own AR so that once it's built, I can run and I can figure out how to do this better. It actually motivated me because like you said, it was like a really good way to train. I'm like, wait, I'm out of breath. Okay. I am definitely not as fast as I thought I was um, because you always just think you're something, but until you actually running it, moving, I think I did, we had to like pick up this ammo can and put it down. And it was like, okay, I'm, this is difficult. I didn't think it is because when you're into range shooting, just a standing still talking, you don't think about the fact that you might have to pick up your, your little brother, your sister, your kid, move them out the way, but still shoot. The threat, like, I, all of that was pretty cool to me. So I was like, I think maybe a week later, that's when I bought my lower. And then I just kept buying the parts, and I'm, I'm still doing it. I have the red dot on it now. So I just think that the competition shooting, you're right. It's, like, a really good way to build up on your skill and train and have fun. Like, I was shooting the ceiling, guys. Like, if you have not seen that video, go to my personal page. I am Jazz's CEO, and scroll down and look at my first encounter with the AR. I shot <laughs> the ceiling because I wasn't looking through the scope because I had never seen a scope the way he had on his. And I thought that the other thing next to the scope was the iron sights. It was just a lever. Okay, that's how <laughs> bad I was. So if you guys think you're bad, listen to this story, okay? Because I train for a living. Listen to this story. I don't have a 95 anymore. I completely quit and now I do this. So listen to the story and just know that no matter what, you can always get better and go ahead and keep going. <laughs> if Absolutely. I can, you can. If I yeah. posted that on Instagram and people, let me tell you, I actually got customers off that video because right. people like authenticity. If you're right. authentic and you're saying, this is when I sucked, this is how I'm getting better. Look at right. me now. Here's the progression. People will relate to that because they don't want to go to somebody who just says, I'm so good. I don't care what nobody says because yeah. they already feel like they're not good enough. Why do right. they want to hear from you? Right? Exactly. So, yeah. 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 I, I say be leery of trainers that don't train. And, right. and also, be, to me, be leery of people that don't enjoy shooting. Like, right, right, right. It, why would I want to learn from somebody who doesn't enjoy what they're teaching me? That's crazy. You're just, you're just a number. Next, next XL. Right. Take this one exactly. shot. Keep going. No, take, I want to know. Take your do target you home with one shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you train? Do you do competitions? How much do you right. shoot? Like, I want to know all those things. So those are right, questions right. you should ask any trainer. My my uh, our our NRA um, counselor, he shot with the firearm upside down in my class mm -hmm. and that's when i said you know i think i'm in the right place right right, right this man right, just right. got the target and hit the target center mass with the firearm upside down okay that's serious business now i'm definitely not there but lord have mercy okay right. so yeah if y'all didn't learn anything from this training is all you got to take out of it. you skip through this episode we've said it several times trainers train Train, train no matter what like literally that was my caption on my post from my ar training i said trainers train because i'm learning that i'm learning that the cert doesn't mean anything if you don't continuously build on the skills so right. i really appreciate you coming on um i really 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 enjoyed this episode uh i think that the people are who are just now getting into the instruction game or, you know, people who have to qualify on a regular basis, I think they could take a lot of things out of this. So I appreciate you helping me with that. Um, tell them one more time where they can find you and where they can contact you for training. 
Honey Bear Tactical on Instagram. Honeybeartactical.com is our website where you can sign up for private lessons, any of our courses, and also shooting experiences. And then if you want to follow me personally, Gut Punch Barbie. Gut Punch Barbie. You need shirts, man. That That's a nice name right there. I know. I know. We got to get our <laughs> logo. Our logo is, is nice, but it's really complex and we can't get it printed. It doesn't print well. So we got to get it redesigned so it prints well. And also shout out my partner, Lou the Trainer. So you should follow him on Instagram. Lou Lou underscore the underscore trainer. Uh, So you can follow him on Instagram as well. Yeah, don't we don't want to get yelled at at the end of this uh, episode. He might not share it if we didn't know. Although I'm pretty sure he didn't mention me in his podcast. Uh oh, uh oh. You know what? That's it. That's it. Make sure y'all tune in for the next episode. Follow her on Instagram. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you for listening. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at Industry Talk Podcast. We are out. See you, Gut Punch Barbie. Bye bye. Thanks for having me. <laughs>